All right, well, I'm just going to go right into it. I think I got a word. I think I got a word. Actually, no, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold up, hold up. I, th I know I got a word. I know I got a word. I know I got a word, and I'm going to give it to you because that's what you do when you live in overflow. And I learned. I learned that from my pastors. Um, they live in overflow, and, you know, yeah, love them. Um, so I, I do, for real, though. I got, I got a word, and... It's a word that hits pretty dear to my heart because there's a lot of vulnerability in it for me personally. And it's a word that um, I've recently discovered and I've been going through a lot of things, uh, self-discovery, examining my own life and some of the things that I've gone through. And you know, this, this whole path of freedom, right? It requires you to do some self-reflection. And in order to be free, I gotta need to know what I need to be free from. So that's the whole journey, but here I am, and we're going to talk about it. Um, so Jake told me that my message title was a pretty sick one, and not to apologize for it. So I'm going to give it to you. Just The first, the first, the first uh, service, I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's not super encouraging, but you know what? Whatever I say up here, just blame the guy upstairs because he gave it to me, and I take no responsibility for anything. <laughs> Um, nah, but for real. So, the, I, I'm going to say this, okay? I, I, I started to identify some things in my life that weren't me. But for so long, I thought it was me. I started to normalize some lies in my life that the enemy put there to make me believe that I was a certain way, but I really wasn't. I think one of the biggest battles we have is identifying the lies in our life that make us the way we are identifying the lies that set us on the course, the course of life that isn't purpose-driven. And it was hard for me to realize this because no one wants to think that you're doing life wrong. Super encouraging, right? Super encouraging. But my message title today is Behind Enemy Lies. Behind Enemy Lies. And, and why? Why is, it, why is it behind enemy lies? Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself because like I said, this is a little bit about me, right? This is a recent revelation that I had with God um, and I want to talk about it. And I haven't really talked about it in this setting um, outside of first service because I thought it would be tough for some people in my life to hear, specifically my mom. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the curtain off of that, and I'm going to expose the lie that lives in that. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm going to take you back to 1987, the year before I was born. Um, 1987, my mom falls pregnant. Uh, she's not married. She's a Hispanic female, obviously, in a community, a Christian community, that at that time could be a little rough, you know, looked down upon. Like, I couldn't imagine the looks and how she felt. I can't imagine that. And it's hard to talk about because I don't want to ever make her feel like she did something wrong. I don't want to ever make her feel like less than. Right? So I don't talk about it much, right? Um, but I think that there's freedom and there's victory when you talk about things. So, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, not only that is... My, my biological father wanted nothing to do with the situation. 
he actually wanted her to have an abortion, um, wanted literally nothing to do with it. Um, my mom being who she was and my family being who they were, like that wasn't even an option. And I'm grateful for the family that I had. I'm grateful for my, my grandparents, my, my uncles, my aunts, the ones that uh, really pulled us in and made me feel, um, you know, wanted. Honestly, my mom is one of 12. She's got eight brothers and three sisters. And all the stories that I hear about it from, from my uncles, from my aunts, even from my grandparents when they were alive was that I was the 13th. They made me feel like the 13th, right? And that's difficult to talk about because it's difficult to talk about, but let me tell you something. I'm gonna say there's freedom in it. I'm gonna say that the devil's not gonna win. I'm gonna tell you something about myself because if I don't, I'm letting him have a little hold in me and that's not gonna happen. So I knew that that was the moment. I started reflecting, God, where did these lies start? How far back does it go? How far back does it go? And he highlighted this. He showed me, me in my mother's womb. He showed me this and he said, listen, the enemy started here. This is where he started with you. He started to plant seeds. He started to plant seeds of insecurity that I wasn't good enough, that I was worthless, that I couldn't be a good father, that there's just things I wouldn't be because I had no one to show me how to be them. That even my own father didn't want, want me. Why would anyone else? And at a young age, like, my mom was always open. You know, she was always very like, hey, do you want to talk about it? My, and mind you, my dad was never in the picture. Like, he, he's gone. Like, I don't even know where. I've never met him, never talked to him, don't know really much about him, nothing. And my mom was like, do you want to know about him? I can tell you what I know. I don't know where he's at. I don't know any of, you know. And I, as a kid, I was like, nah, you know, I don't want that. I don't care. I don't really care about any of that. I was too worried about doing other things like kids do, playing sports, uh, video games, all, all the things, right? So it was just in the back of my mind. I just always swept it under the rug. But come to, come to find out, it actually really affected who I was. Like, there's things like a father teaches a son, right? And I had a stepfather who, you know, I call him dad because he raised me since I was two. But there's, you know, the dynamic there is slightly different. And what, what I was missing, things like, how do you treat a woman? The birds and the bees talk. Like, fundamental things as a man that I didn't have, right? So why do I say that is because these are ways that the enemy works in your life, right? He worked in my life at least, right? I had to figure things out. I had to, well, figure it out, right? And that's kind of embarrassing too as a kid because all the other kids know things and you don't and you're like, ah, yeah, I knew, I knew that, I knew that, yeah. So the insecurity that it built in me at an early age was so deep that it didn't, it, I didn't realize it until my mid to late 20s, 20 something years with it. A lie embedded so deep that it, it created uh, a space where the devil could normalize things in me. It created a space that I didn't know any better. 
the hardest thing about a lie is, the hardest thing about calling out a lie is not knowing that it's a lie. Because how would you call it out? How would you know any different? So, you know, that's, that's a little story for you. Um, and, like, I love my mom. And she raised me, you know, the Bible says, train up a child, in a, a child in the way they should go, and they would not depart from it. Like, I'm a here because I'm a product of that, of that promise. Um, so I, I want to, you know, mom, if you're watching, I love you. Um, and I wouldn't be here without you. Um, yeah, so from an early age, right? In an early age, this was my life. I had brothers and sisters. I have a brother and a sister, both younger. And, you know, that's my stepdad is the real father. And again, slightly different dynamics, slightly different relationship. Um, and one that I sometimes looked to and thought, well, if he was my real dad, I wouldn't be treated this way. But the fact of the matter is that was a lie in itself. My dad, my stepdad, actually did everything in his power to treat me like I should be treated. Never once did he make me feel any kind of way. Never once did he make me feel like I was unwanted. But why did I have that feeling? This is something that I, I didn't realize until later on in life. We had a, I had a lot of trouble growing up with him, like a lot. <laughs> we, got, we got in like fist fights, kicked out of the house. I was roaming the streets for about six months and talked to my parents, 19 years old. Um, all because of lies, because I felt unwanted, because I felt like I wasn't, I had nothing to give, right? The enemy, through those lies, I start roaming the streets and the devil starts to do different things. Now, now I'm drinking. Yeah. Now I'm getting drunk every night. Yeah. Now I'm smoking weed because weed is good with everything, right? Wow. Well, that, at least that's the lie that they tell you, yeah. right? I can't eat without weed. I can't watch a movie without weed. I can't go to school without weed. I can't drive my car without weed. I can't do anything without weed. This is the things that we used to talk about as 19-year-olds smoking weed. And we thought it was funny. Little did I know how serious that actually is. Yeah drinking. It was fine. It was fun. It would loosen me up. I have a good time. I love tequila. <laughs> tequila gets you in trouble. Got me in trouble. Got me in trouble. But I just justified it. Like, I, I got Advil. I got everything I need to make me feel okay the next day. But the funny thing is, what I, what I was starting to realize, or what I realized, was that the drugs and the alcohol could only cover up so much. At some point, I was going to come face to face with the thing that was actually in me. The truth. That's what it was. It was the truth. There was, there was early times in marriage where I didn't want to hear the truth. I'm the most soft person. I am number one empathetic in this whole church. That's me. I love talking to people. <laughs> talking about my emotions late at night with my wife was my favorite thing. <laughs> I love pillow talk. Baby, how you feeling? Me, man, I had a rough day. That's not me. That is Marlene though. I came 
face to face with those hard truths that I wasn't as soft as I thought I was. Lo and behold. Lo and behold. It's crazy because it, it took her telling me that I was this way before I actually got it. Although all the signs were around me. It's because when you're so deep in a lie, you ignore everything else. You ignore all the signs. You ignore them all. Because this is comfort. This is me. This is who I know. This is who I know I am. I'm not empathetic. You're crazy. You're crazy. And then I took my, my strength finder and empathetic is number 34. Out of 34. Hmm. Well, couldn't lie at that point. The point of this is that the enemy is good at making lies look normal. He's good at making look lies like they're actually you. He's a master deceiver. I would go as far to say that is his number one tactic. He's a liar and a deceiver. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that and it's not to highlight what he does or his power or any of that kind of stuff. It's simply to expose, it's simply to call him what he is and it's simply to show us that we need to go on the offense. So we're going to go right into it. Let's pull up, um, actually point number one, point number one, liar, 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 liar. Can we pull up Genesis 3, 1 through 6 please? All right, now the serpent was, oh, we all know this, right? All of us seasoned Christians, we know this. Uh, Adam and Eve, the fall of Adam and Eve. They ate the fruit, they get kicked out. Moral of the story, don't disobey God. And I'm done, 17 minutes to spare. Uh, all right, no, let's go, let's read this a little bit more. Now the serpent was more crafty in other versions, it says the most cunning than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So I'll stop there. This is an important piece of scripture here because this is a first in the world. This is the first time that a seed of doubt was planted on the earth. Did God really say? He knew very well that God did not say that, but he was there to create the doubt. Any little open door that he can create just sets up his next move, which we'll see. So the first seed of doubt right here. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. We'll stop there. This is one of the most fascinating points to me in this scripture, right? Did Eve know what it meant to die? How do we know? Well, she must have, right? Because God wouldn't have made it a consequence. So she must have known what it is to die. But let's say she doesn't know it as the way we know it, right? Death is different, let's say. Um, at the very least, let's put it in this context. At the very least, right? They're in the garden, chilling. They got the nice, warm sun. 
They got all the fruit that they can eat. They got the grass under their toes. They're living the most unbothered life. They're relaxing, right? Relaxing. Paradise. Everything around them. New creation. They got lions and tigers just chilling with them. It's like a trip to Dubai. They're, they're living the ultimate experience. Right? They've got it all. But the most important is they get to commune with their creator. They get to walk and talk and hang out. So at the very least, she knew this. And she, at the very least, she knew that to die was the reversal of all of that stuff. At the very least. How crazy is that? How deceptive is he that he can convince Eve to eat the fruit understanding what she may lose? Creating doubt in who God is. I think half the time what the enemy is trying to do is just create doubt in who God is in your life. If he can tell you that God doesn't want you, God's going to hold you back, that this life isn't for you, he's done enough. Let me, let me get into Eve's head a little bit here. Let me, let me just try to imagine what she's thinking. Man, let's, let's read this a little bit more. Um, can we go to the next slide? The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. So I'm Eve, right? And she's there, she's thinking, she's like, oh my God, what if God is lying? Although I know all this stuff about him, I know everything. There's all this stuff in opposition to that theory. But what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if God is lying and he just doesn't want me, want me to be like him? He just doesn't, he doesn't want my best life. I want to live my best life and I eat this fruit. I'll eat my, I'll, I'll, my best life's on its way. What if? What if? I sometimes think what that fruit tasted like. Was it bitter? Was it sweet? Was it worth it? But I also think, did they just continue to eat? Because in hopes that what the, what the serpent said was true. How many times do we go down a path in life where we just go, keep going. It's going to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm going to keep going, keep going because I don't want to miss out. FOMO, I don't want to miss out. I want to make sure. I want to make sure before I give my life to God, I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything over here. I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything because God, oh God, I don't want to be held back. What you got for me that's better than this? What you got for me? I ain't seen nothing that I want over there. But this Ah, oh, man, we going out. We out here. It's summer. We outside. I'm living my best life. That looks appealing. Deceiving. The thing about the devil is not going to make a lie look crazy terrible. He's going to make you look great. How the heck do you think he's going make to you, make you do it? These are the very things in my life that I dealt with. Early age, doing... doing <laughs> Alcohol, drinking alcohol, doing drugs, that's what I meant. <laughs> Holy Spirit got me drunk up here. <laughs> liar, liar is what I like to call him. You got to call him by his name. 
Call him by his name because that's what he is. The very things that have been hurting you, the depression, the anxiety, the crazy thoughts, those aren't you. I say that with kind of a question because it's almost like we don't know where to identify if those aren't us. There's, th- there's things in me that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just me. How many times have I said that? That's just how I am. That's just how I am. I think one of the greatest things that the enemy can do is hide in plain sight. Act like he's not there, like he doesn't exist, or like you can see him from a mile away. Fact is, he's been there all day. He's been there from day one. When God showed me that about my mother's womb, he said, yeah, he started here. This is where he started with you. But then he said, but I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, and I had set you apart. So as many lies as he told me, I knew that God, you know, he took care of me, right? Even when I, even when I didn't want it. There was times doubt and insecurity and whatever else kept me out of church for two years. I didn't want nothing to do with church. Marlene was trying to get me to go back to church for such a long time. I was like, nah, I want none of that. But every time I sat in the auditorium during a church service, I felt like I belonged there. Such a contradictory statement or feeling like I hate it, but I love it. Where am I? What's happening? Confusion. I hope, I hope that you're, uh, you're not too scared that I'm spending so much time on understanding the devil. I hope because I want to, just before we move on, I want to make sure that you know that there is hope. That all the, although the devil has tactics and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy, my God is greater. That we've already got the victory. We, we sang that song, the victory is ours, right? Like, uh, it's, it's, I'll get to that point. Because that is the truth. But I want to make sure that we understand the tactics. I want to make, sh- make sure we understand who the devil is. Because part of combat, part of being ready, part of understanding uh, and going into war is knowing your enemy. Right? It's understanding the terrain. And I think as Christians, we need to understand and know who our enemy is, what the terrain is like, and what we're going into before we actually get there. Yeah, we have the, we have the, we have the weapons, we have the swords, we have all the things we need, but do we have the knowledge we need to understand? Sorry if I'm looking at my notes for a second. Um, I want to read a portion um, that I wrote that I want to make sure I do justice to because it's that important. Um, So they ate the fruit, right, in this amazing world, Garden Garden of Eden. And I, I would imagine, like, they lacked nothing. So I wrote, Adam and Eve did not lack for food, yet this fruit looked good for food, promising to satisfy in a way yet discovered. 
The world was new and grand, yet the fruit was delightful to look at, dazzling, the tantalizing, dazzling and tantalizing. Adam and Eve had unfallen minds with incredible vast capacity for learning, yet this fruit was desirable for obtaining wisdom as if it held the key to one locked door in their imaginations, the door, that, the door into one room that they didn't even know existed until the serpent shined his light on it. Wow. To me, that's incredibly powerful because God provides everything, but yet we, need, we think we need more. We live, we live a life always chasing things, but not understanding that like if we just chased the one thing, we would get everything. We'd live life in reverse. I need this and I need this and I need the money and I need all of the, the fame and the, and the notoriety and I need, I need to know people. I need to be in the right rooms. I need all of these things. But if you just chase Jesus, all of those things would come. This is what I did in my life for such a long time. I left church and I was like, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to make my own money. Make my own life, my own family, my own way. I quickly found out that all, that all fell apart. We had the hardest first year of marriage. All because I was so stubborn. And I, li I lived and believed in a lie and didn't focus on the truth. Can we pull up um, Matthew 4? So I'll, I won't read the whole text, um, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, but I do want to point out a few things here. Jesus was led into the wilderness. We all know the story, right? He was tempted, tempted by Satan three times. And a couple things I want to point out here is that it says that he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And it's no coincidence that the devil attacked them in that space, right? He offered for the stones to become bread. How many times does that happen to us? Or to, how many times does it happen to me? Where the devil attacks me in the very thing that I'm most sensitive in. My relationship. My family. My ego. My insecurity. He knows. He knows exactly where we're at. He leans into it. He leans into it. He understands that if he can get us on our back foot, if he can put us in a position that is not favorable, that he'll take us out. His main goal is to destroy us, whatever way you look at it. That's the number one goal. However he goes about doing that, it's up to him, but that's what he's trying to do. So he tempts the devil, or he tempts God here, and he does it three times. And um, I, I had a, I wanted to, I said in the first service, and I want to say it here too, because I think it's important, right? Um, it's, it's important to understand that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, right? It wasn't the enemy's tactic. Let me, get, let me isolate him, the Spirit. And a couple reasons, right? He wanted to make sure that he understood that, that I'm greater. I'm going to show you that I am greater. So he's superior to the enemy. But the second thing is that the Bible in, in 1 Corinthians talks about Jesus being the second man. What is the, or the, second, the second Adam. What does that mean? Well, Adam, the first Adam, in the garden sin, kicked out to the wilderness. 
Jesus, the second Adam, in the wilderness, taking us back into the garden. So this is the moment to prove that. So I just want to leave that there because this was foreshadowing of what God was going to do or is going to do. So I I just want to leave that there. Um, So before I move on from the devil, which I'm sure everybody's ready to get get away from, I want to to bring up a verse. Um, Can we bring up Romans 12.2? It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we read this in Grow Group this week, and um, we were analyzing the scripture, and I noticed every time I read it, at least, and even in Grow Group, we really focused on being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is amazing because we do, we need that. But there was a new revelation that God gave me, and it says, it was, it was said, so it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Well, part of, the pa- part of not conforming is understanding the pattern. We need to know what we're up against. So today, I'm not here to talk about the devil and his power and what he does or just for the, because I'm here to expose him. I'm here to call him by his name. I'm here to tell him, hey, we're coming for you and we're not going to wait. I know what you're doing and we're not going to leave it there. I know that the anxiety is building, but hey, I got a God that's going to take that away. I know that you're trying me right now. I know you gave me a parking ticket, but hey, I'm going to pay that parking ticket. What you going to do? Listen. I'm not going to put anything by the devil. The guy is conniving, he's a stealer, and he will destroy. Understanding the pattern is such an important part. When we go to battle, in warfare, you have to understand the patterns of your enemy. Where, they're gonna, where are they going to be at? What time? What time do they wake up? This is, this is how you get victory. The more you know, the better, right? So the more we know about what he's actually doing in our lives, the better it is for us. So I want to I make sure that you understand that that's the point of this. Not to glorify him or glorify his power, but to understand and to, un, and to, to get to the point that we're after him. A lot of times we sit in defense and we sit here and we're like reacting to what he's doing to us, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It's time for us to step up. It's time for me to step up and say, hey, you're not going to speak to me this way. Hey, that lie you told me, I ain't going to live by that. I'm not a good father. No, I'm going to show you I'm going to be a good father. See, the truth, the truth is he doesn't want us to know the truth. So point number two is the truth. The truth is Jesus. I'm going to read a couple scriptures that bring some truth into this. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all the needs according to his riches and glory. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you, have, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. These are truths. The truth is, God has our back. But the truth is, we choose to live in fear sometimes. I've chose to live in fear. I've chose to live in fear of getting to know him because of what it might cost. I've chose to live in fear because of who I've been told I am. The 
the truth hurts sometimes. The truth is, we're supposed to be in this world, but not of the world. The truth is we have an assignment. The truth is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. I don't care how many lies he's told you. I don't care what you've believed. I don't care what your circumstances. I don't care. I do care, but I don't care. Because I'm gonna tell you I have the answer. And his name is Jesus. His name is the Holy Spirit. His name is God, God Almighty, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. That is the answer. Fact is, the enemy lies because he's scared. He's scared to be alone. I just want to say one last thing on this. We aren't meant to live behind enemy lies, but we were made to live behind enemy lines. That is the truth. That our life should be a vessel to reach others. That our life should speak loud enough that it saves the lost. That our life glorifies him above all else. That our life is his and his alone. We speak truth. I want to close on, on this verse, John 16, 7 through 14. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. It is for your good I am going away. Unless I go, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But if I go, I'll send them to you. I think we gotta, if God says we need something, probably need it. I heard this thing, somebody, I don't know who said it. A lot of people probably have said it, but sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like a guest at his own house. An unwanted guest at that. But not here. And I'm gonna talk about him real quick. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me. In righteousness because, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 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 Can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit? Is that he gonna break some chains, he gonna show up and he's a way maker. Can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit? He ain't, he ain't the unwanted guest. He's actually the advocate. He's the one that we need. He's the one that can change your circumstance. He's the one that will shift your life. He was the one that will change your heart. He's the one that changed my heart. He's the one that God sent. He is the one. He is the one. I want you to know 
Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about Jesus. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the helper. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the one that shifts hearts, the one that breathes life into songs, the one that, that curates an environment like this where people love on you. The Holy Spirit is something far greater than we give him credit for. I, like, I can't sit here and sugarcoat that he's a ghost. He's a ghost. He's a spirit. But I'm going to tell you something, man. I've received more breakthrough by encountering the Holy Spirit than anything else. I've walked in broken and hurt, anxiety, depression, sorrow, no way out, nothing left. Arms abandoned, God, you, you have all of me because there's nothing left in me. I was broken, heartbroken. I had nothing left. You know who met me here? It was Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I had nothing left. I was angry. I might seem angry right now, but I'm just passionate because he did something in me. He did something in me. He gave me the confidence to stand on this stage and preach. He gave me the confidence to be me, unapologetically. He gave me the confidence to say, hey, I will be a good father. He gave me the confidence to say, hey, devil, you're not gonna win today. Devil, this sin, this, these lies, uh -uh, they ain't me. They're not me. Devil, you can't have my voice. You can't have it spiritually. You can't have it physically. I'm going to get the words out. Listen, I knew I was going to lose my voice today. I knew it. But I, I'm not going to put it past the enemy. Listen, he ain't going to win. I don't care if I have to squeak my way through this message. I don't care. What I want to tell you is that Holy Spirit, the one that gave me breakthrough, he's available to you. I don't care where you sit in life. I don't care who you are, what you've been through, what your circumstances, new Christian, no Christian, anti-Christian, whatever you want to call yourself. It doesn't change the fact that he's real. It doesn't change the fact of what he did in me. The reason I can stand here and preach about it and talk about it and yell about it is because he did something in me that is very real. I can only speak the truth of what I know. But what I can promise to you is that if you give him an opportunity, it will become true to you. I know I'm over time. I don't care. Two more minutes, two more minutes. I just really feel like there's some people in this room that you've, you've been coming to church as a routine, as something that your parents taught you. But there needs to be an encounter today. There needs to be a transformation. There needs to be a shift. There's those. And then there's another. Maybe you walked in here not knowing a friend invited you and you're just like, what is this? Why is he screaming? Um, I just want to talk to you for a sec. Because the only time I've ever seen somebody be passionate is in something that they really believe in. Something that's actually true to them. I wouldn't be up here otherwise. But at the end of the day, it's not for me to convince. It's for the Holy Spirit to convict. 
So I just want to open up a space. Actually, there's one more group I want to, I want to talk to really quick. It's for people like me who were raised in church, who knew about God but didn't know him. I had no relationship with him early on. I left church as soon as I could. I want to say, and I want to tell you that God sees you. He knows what you've been through. He loves you. That your past, it doesn't have to be your future. I love you. Because I've been there. I've been there. And if it wasn't for an encounter, if it wasn't for a moment in the, in the auditorium, I wouldn't be here. I'm just taken in in awe what the Holy Spirit does sometimes. It's hard not to. It's hard to talk, honestly. But I want to leave the floor open. If you're feeling something, a tug in your heart, if you're feeling like, hey, God, I need to give you a chance. If you're feeling, God, I need to give you another chance. If you're feeling like, God, I just need to give you a first chance. I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want to pray for you give you a gift after. I'm going to give it a second because I just feel like I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? So good, so good. <laughs> What's crazy is usually I've got to count. <laughs> but I love, I love when the Holy Spirit does things. Anyone else? You feeling a tug in your heart? You feeling like I see that hand. Amen. Amen. I just want to leave it over for one more second. Just one more second. If you're feeling something, it's probably it. <laughs> Amen. 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 Come on, why don't we give it up for him? What an incredible moment. Um, yeah, man, I didn't even have to count. That's all I got to say. I didn't have to count. The, the spirit is working. Amen. Uh, um, no, that, I just want to encourage you, if you raise your hand, even if you didn't, but you felt like you should, that God wants to do something in you. That this moment marks a line in the sand for greater, for better, for new. That the lies of the enemy can't, they can't hurt you no more. That we have the victory. That God loves you. That the Holy Spirit is there to be an advocate for you. To step in the gap. To fight the battle. To soothe the heart. To give you peace. He loves you. So we're going to pray this prayer. 
And we're gonna pray it as a church because we leave no man left behind. And we're gonna invite Jesus into our hearts. So why don't you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I thank you because I have a hope, a future, and a destiny through a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's say amen. Come on, let's give it up one more time. If you raise your hand, we've got a gift for you. It's the book of John. We've got some team members standing around. We've got one here, one on this side. They're all around the auditorium. We want to give you this, this book, not just because it's the Bible, although that's a good reason, but because it marks a day. It's a line in the sand. So take this as our gift to you. There's a text number on the screen. You get a QR code. They'll help you with the rest. We love you. Feel encouraged. Um, I'm just extremely grateful and proud of what the Holy Spirit did here today. Um, can, we, can I pray for you? Yes. Lord, Father, we just thank you for this service, Lord. We thank you for you, how you moved, Lord. I thank you that you continue to move, Lord. I pray um, for all the people, Lord, that you bless their weeks, that you anointed, that you give them favor, Lord. I pray for their, their Sunday. I pray that you bless it, that you give them favor in all the restaurants. I pray that the warriors win tonight and, and all the things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We love you, church. Enjoy your Sunday. We'll see you next week.